Hi, Doug. Happy December, Karen. Holy shit, can you imagine? I saw your social media post and I thought it was fucking brilliant. <laughs> what was uh, that? What was I it? said, yeah. I, I can't believe it's already December and I can't believe it's still 2020. Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, All of that. <laughs> the longest, fastest, slowest year <laughs> of all time. Yeah, that's why I keep saying that. Like, remember, like, in, like, March and April, it was such a slog. Yeah. And then, and then all of a sudden, I feel like I feel like the rest of the year kind of whizzed by, but I feel like it's still been the longest year ever. Oh, it definitely has, because we don't know how to mark time anymore. You're right. All the things oh. we used to do or look forward to having or seeing or whatever, like, is all gone pretty much. So it's oh. like it's kind <laughs> of meaningless, except we still have to go on and do things like, you know, eat and pay bills and all those things. And with the time change, are you like, like, I have not, like, I struggle with the time change for like, you know, like, I, I just struggle through the time changes. I don't like having daily savings time. I don't like moving the clocks. Like, like, I just struggle with both ends. It's like, never not dark at this point this, for me. <laughs> this year has been like, you know, five o'clock rolls around and I'm like, whoa, it's time for <laughs> and then yeah, I look at the clock and I'm like, I haven't even had dinner yet. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, you know, our thing, or maybe it's my thing. I don't know if anyone listening will get this, but I feel like right now I'm just living to work. Because all I do is sit at home all day and do the work I need to do or wait for another email to come in in front of the computer that sits in my apartment, which is my office and my whole life now. And like the work is like constant. It, you know, it comes in late, early as anytime I might look at my computer, there's more stuff to do. There's more work that's needed. And we're just like, okay, at some point we can put the computer away and do things like eat or watch TV. And then it's just time to go to bed. And the second we wake up, we start the whole thing over. There's not even like a transition for us. Like, well, We'll shower and then commute and then get into work mode. It's like the second we wake up, we're basically in work mode. And by the time we go to bed, it's like we already feel it creeping in. Right. And we don't even leave a room to like put up a wall between any of it. So it just feels like constantly like, and don't get me wrong, I'm grateful to have a job. But it just feels like this is our life right now. And I there mean, isn't no, there is like really no space to put up. Although we try, like... We go to the gym sometimes, and we go on some walks sometimes, and come away right. with ice cream sometimes, and that's <laughs> I mean, would it help to, like, you know, like, I try, I've tried this, and it just doesn't work. I mean, look, I've been work from home for... However many years. Like, years. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, it's been, you know, so I, I have, like, so it's not weird for me, like, this whole working from home thing that I know is throwing everybody for a loop, because I've been doing it for so long. But, like, you know, I've tried to do things, like, in the morning, go for a walk, and that's, like, for, like, 15 minutes, and that's my commute. Mm, we try, and sometimes sometimes I've got to be on by 7 or 8 a.m., so it's, like, eh, it kind of hinders it. Um, right. Right, see, like, that's the thing, like, yeah. some morning, you know what I mean? And, like, honestly, when it's, like, 27 degrees and snowing out, do you really think I want to go out there and commute, quote-unquote? No, I'm right. going to stay home. Right. Fuck that. That's the nice part of work from home. 
<laughs> like, yeah. I'm still waiting for me. Like none of these days have felt like a snow day. Um, right. But I mean, I could be better about putting up certain boundaries, but you know, the one time my boss needs something and I'm somehow not available without a perceived excuse, like that's kind of the end of it all. Yeah, so I try and be, I try and be careful about all that. But anyway, let's go back to a kinder, gentler, more innocent time, if you can believe it. February 1997. We had like this moment, like there's so much of it where like, you know, there was a moment in the airport and I'm like, that could have never happened. Oh, now, no, no. 9-11, wandering to dip five different gates looking for I've somebody. talked to, like, screenwriter friends of mine who say, like, the worst things that of writing period pieces are the cell phone yep. and and the, the changing in airport security. Because yep. so many devices, so many conveniences or misses or miscommunications, you now have a solution for yeah. Well, it's really funny because I'm actually I'm I'm going to be in this anthology. And um, so I've been working on a new uh, urban fantasy piece. And which is cool. Which is very cool. And I've decided that I'm going to set it in the 1990s. Oh, so now this is research. So this is now research, but like, it's so weird because I'm like, I, like, I have to stop myself and I have to really think like, oh no, that couldn't happen because nobody has a cell phone. So how, so in, in a way, like I understand like the convenience of those plot points. Yeah. The idea of like, oh, you could just look this up online. Oh no, you couldn't. If you didn't know it. And you, you didn't find a way to know it, you wouldn't know it. You just wouldn't know it. And so, but like in a lot of ways now, like I, I find like cell phones, like having a cell phone can actually help a plot point and not hinder a plot point. So it sort of goes both ways because I've never written, like I've never really written. I mean, I, I was writing back before, you know, in the olden days, let's say, but like, I've never, I was never commercially writing. So I didn't really think about these things, you know, or yeah. obviously at the time you don't think about it. But now that I'm sort of think, now that I'm moving something back to a period piece, it's sort of really interesting to be like, oh shoot, I can't do that because they don't have a cell phone. So they have no way to communicate. And it's right. a little bit of a pain in the ass. I believe it. You know, so I'm kind of like, well, it's an urban fantasy. Maybe I'll just give them all telepathy. But I can't do that. That's <laughs> cheating. Just cheating. But yeah, so this we'll see how this goes. So I, I'm a little bit worried that I'm like kind of writing myself into a corner. But I kind of love the idea of setting something in like 1996 or something like that. You know, like I'm kind of like digging that idea. Yeah, I think that's cool. Because, you know, like, the music and the period and the fashion and all that. Like, I'm like, yeah, that might be kind of cool. But, you know, ask me again in six months when I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd say better the 90s than the, the aughts, than the 2000s. Because yeah. I just can't think of anything, like, charming about that decade. Oh. But I don't know. Maybe yeah. 10 years ago I said that about the 90s. Yeah, no. I think, I think you're, we were probably too old to find the charm in the, in the aughts. Yeah, I guess if I were younger and um... yeah, I feel like 2000 was good and even like early 2000 I, I just feel like like what's 9/11 happened it was kind of like it was kind of like that sort of like when JFK was shot like I feel like it was yeah. that kind of defining Well, certainly yes, did cast a poll. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then I feel like it was like after that like I, mean, I have grew I mean, up. everything connected to the the second Bush range. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty gross. Yeah. So even though like even though I was like grown up when 9/11 like I was in my late 20s, you know, but 
but I still kind of feel like that was that was like when I actually grew up. Yeah, and I feel like that was a big line of demarcation for me. It was my second week at my first job post college, so that's basically like there was college, and now you're out in the real world, and the world, and world, and here's and. Wow, that was weird. Something really weird just happened. Wait, on our recording or? Yeah, on our recording. You like kind of like, it was like this weird like repeat. Like it was like DJ Jazzy Jeff was in there scratching. Really? Yeah. Is it happening again? No, and then you like cut out. So you were on like this DJ Jazzy Jeff repeat. And then, <laughs> and then you cut oh. out. <laughs> Uh, really weird. I'm going to have to assume that whatever you missed was brilliant. <laughs> I don't know. The, the, the scratching was kind of cool. I was like, wait, is he doing uh, that? I'm sorry purpose? it hasn't come back. Maybe it'll come back like when we started talking about Sid. It took me a second. And I was like, oh, my God, was that on purpose? And then I was like, no. I did, um, did you hear anything I said? Uh, uh, no, I don't think I did. Oh, I'll repeat it. Okay. Um, 9-11 happened my second week at my first job after college graduation. Oh, yeah, that part I heard. It was whatever you said right oh. right after it that ended up in the scratch. Oh, I was just saying how, you know, it's like, here you are in the real world, and it's scary and awful and dangerous. That's what that's what I missed. But, yeah. Uh, Where were so, you? Were you in New York at that point? Or I was in, in D.C. You were in D.C., okay. Yeah, okay. so also equally scary at the time. Though it didn't yeah. get as much attention for, you know, obvious reasons um yeah pretty scary yeah i was i actually caught i was living in virginia i was at my parents house at the time uh and working in dc and i actually caught the last metro the last train out to get from dc to virginia before they shut everything down damn wow and i saw i saw the plane at, hit the pentagon you I actually saw it hit yeah we were yeah because we saw it at our window. We were all gathered watching what was going on in our media room. Uh, I was working for a PR company in the Watergate building. Oh, and, my God. Um, happened to see the first plane on the TV, and then more people started walking in to see what was going on. And then after the second plane, we were like, should we still be here? Should we be shutting down? Should we be going home? Is DC is something going to happen? And that's when we saw very quickly and we like you know we felt the building shake and everything um so you saw it out your window or you saw it on tv and then felt the building shake no we saw it at our window like you saw it live Ooh, that's that's wild yeah i didn't even see i i I obviously didn't see the first plane hit i did not see the i only saw the second plane hit on tv even though i was in new york because it was like we got a call at like whatever time it was when the first plane hit and it was like oh watch turn on the TV, Do you, you know, did you hear about the airplane I'm from my, my, um, my husband's aunt? And we were like, what are you talking about? And she was like, turn on the TV. And so we turned on the TV and I was like, I was like, oh my God, some idiot hit the, you know, flew his Cessna into the world. Like, I really thought that it was a small plane. That's what and everyone then, thought at first. Yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, I'm just watching, you know, that sort of like static shot of like the World Trade Center. And then all of a sudden you just see the second plane come in and hit. And I was like, what the you know and it was like oh my god it was like yeah this that that was not an accident and then it got like scary yeah of course yeah wild times yeah it really puts uh the Melrose place bombing in perspective 
It sure does. Or does it? Or does it? So at any rate, we are. So now, we're, we're here. Yeah. So but, this was a big fat jumbo two part episode. Well, but they aired at once as a two hour episode. It was two hours. So what? It was because I think. What's that? What did it preempt? That is a good question. By the way, this We're is gonna uh, have to do some thinking. This is season five, episode eighteen. Great expectations. Great expectations. They throw a little Oliver or a little Charles Dickens in there, but yeah. um, I think part of the the reason they made this an event is because it was the two hundredth episode of the series. Ah, uh, okay, I see. And it was also Squeaks Month, as we and discussed. It was doesn't mean anything now, but then, right. yes. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm, I don't think I can remember what their big shows... I mean, I remember what the big shows were, but not what... I don't think it led into anything big. 90210 was on Wednesdays. This was Monday. X-Files was Sunday. I think Party of Five was on Wednesdays after 90210. I can't remember what else they had. I'll try and think of it later. Okay. So, yeah. so, I mean, I kind of feel like, I guess if anybody had the storyline of this, of like the double storyline, it was probably Peter and Amanda. Yeah. It was kind of like their show with, I guess, Michael, Megan, and Kimberly coming up in second place. Yeah. Or maybe, with, yeah. no, maybe it was more, maybe Allison and Jake. I there's, don't know. A lot I of, there's a lot of backloaded stuff with Jake and Allison which is much more than they've dealt with for the first half of the season and kind of kickstarts where they're going for the second half. Um, and, and, but I still don't think that's where the show is putting most of its weight. Um, yeah, and I feel it's like just that was, more than they've given them. And I felt like it was, like, at this point with Jake and Allison, like, it just feels really old. Doesn't it? Like to you? Like, the stuff they're doing with them? Yeah, like it feels like I feel like we've been here before. I feel like this is like well trod territory at this point between I don't know if it's the two of them or Allison or what, but it just feels like I feel like we've been down this road before a lot of times. And I feel like I'm so tired of this storyline um just in general that uh, that I'm just ready to be like I'm done with it. Well, um I think this is a pretty I think it's a pretty good place to start. Okay. Um, we can go through all of that and get it out of the way. Uh, and a couple of the like minor intersections we can get back to and make sure we cover elsewhere. I think, I see what you're saying about all of these points feel old. I don't think these are things we've seen with Jake and Allison before, but I think these are things that at this point in their relationship, as committed as they are and as serious as they are, would be things that have already been sorted out or non-issues at this point, if they're really as far along as we're supposed to believe they are. So it kind of feels to me like a bit of a betrayal for them to do what we're about to talk about. Right. And no, I agree that, that, that the the situations have played out amongst other characters, but I just kind of feel like we've seen like it we've so seen... many times. 
I'm like, like I'm tired of the of the the unwanted baby storyline. I'm mm-hmm. tired. You know what I mean? Like I'm just like, we've had that storyline so many times, and in fact, Amanda reminds us that wow, she too was pregnant at one point and lost the baby, which I completely forgot about. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I remember, and I was like really happy the first time around when they revisited that history. Um, you know, right, we'll get but, to that momentarily. But, right, but I mean, that, yes, these are tropes, in that and these moment, are. In These that moment, I was like, from a different kind of show. I was like, Jesus Christ! Like, how many, how many fucking babies are we gonna have, and how many people are gonna well, break? Interestingly, and I remember thinking about this at the time, not including like newer blood on the show, like Sam or Megan or Taylor, but every single female character on the show has had some sort of pregnancy storyline, except for Sid. Jane had a miscarriage in season one. Amanda has the miscarriage that we're going to talk about again in season one. Kimberly is infertile. Uh, Joe has the baby and is yeah. then <laughs> Kimberly kidnaps. Um, so now Allison has an unwanted pregnancy um, and they're always unwanted and inconvenient. Um, and I can't remember if I'm leaving anyone else out there, but aside from Sid, I feel like every single one of the, the uh, and even Brooke, had a pregnancy yep, storyline okay. that connected. Yep. They all did. They were all defined by it at, at some point. I just feel like what we're seeing here is a storyline in a show that takes itself seriously all the time, and that's not what Noah's Place does, or certainly not what it does best. Right, so, right. And I guess so like, maybe the pregnant storyline was a thing back in the 90s, and I'm looking at this through too much of a contemporary lens but I still feel like I I just feel like this whole story like this whole idea of the unwanted pregnancy is completely played out on this on the show I think I think that was I think that was pretty um cliched even then even then right like I'm just sort of like okay can we just get on with this like there's got to be another way to break up Jake and Allison than an inconvenient baby yeah like I like I get like I see the full scope of this storyline, like I said, I'm going to hold off my big verdict until the end. Um, but I don't. I'm not totally torn because I really lean very heavily towards that. I don't. I'm not crazy about anything they're doing here. I don't mind seeing Allison when she has to make like dark decisions when she's like, "I've had a tough life, and this stuff weighs on me, and I don't know what I want." But I don't like the way they are writing for her to feel that way now. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it does. Because like, I, fe- I feel like, like I, the, I, again, like, I feel like the, she's one of the characters that they just keep kicking. Oh, oh, she's the queen of that. The one that all the bad things always happen to. Talk yeah. To and it just but, is a little, like, now it's just a little too, like, I feel like it's too much. Like, well, I can't even feel sorry for seems, her anymore. Yeah. Here's the first time it really feels like it has caught up with her. Like, Allison would get kicked down and would find a way to move on and then make another stupid mistake and not really learn from it and get kicked down or find herself in an unfortunate position and get kicked down and not really learn from it. And now it isn't so much that she's necessarily learned from things, but she's almost, like, martyred by all of her hard knocks. And it's incredibly unfun to watch. Because you would think after all of the time, all of the kicks that she's taken, right? All the beatdowns that this woman has taken, you would think that 
with whatever she has between her and Jake, which prior to this pregnancy seemed really pretty solid, that she would go into this saying, well, I'm going to take a flyer on this and I'm going to give it a shot. But instead, she becomes morose Allison again, and she sort of is dredging up all of this shit rather than kind of being the Allison that we fell in love with with Jake, right? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. Okay. And it's, and it's something that I just feel like that's very identifiable for real life. That is not what I want to watch on my Monday nights. What? That she should be... She should suck that it up and have the, a baby? No, no. That How morose she... How oh, morose, I'm sorry. How morose she... How it's framed. Oh, I see. Yeah. Oh, well, no, yeah, okay. Yeah. okay, sorry. Yeah. I wasn't following you for a second. No, yeah, you're so, absolutely that, right. Yeah. Yeah, because at one point it is no longer soapy and it just becomes yeah. sad. Right, and this is not a documentary format. That's right. never like, going to be what this show is, so don't like, try. Why didn't they just shove a bottle of vodka in her hand again and make her drink? Just wait, Karen. Just uh, uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself here. <laughs> um, having said that, this isn't one of like my least favorite storylines in the series or anything. There is another one of those that is also happening on this episode in during the season. We'll get back to that. But we, now that we've sort of begun to explicate the Jake and Allison saga, um, let's sum it up. And okay. it starts with the stupidest people in town, Billy and Sam, coming over to Jake and Allison's. Who I actually really like them together because they're just so dumb. They're so dumb they are good together. Yes. Right? Like, they're, yeah, like, they're, like, hooked on phonics together, stupid. Yes. Oh, my God, that's right. They are hooked on phonics, stupid. It's great. <laughs> it's like, I feel like Billy, Billy finally met his match. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> his intellectual equal. We're in great shape here. Yeah, it almost feels like sacrilege to say this, because I love the movie Pretty in Pink, but it's kind of like when Ducky finds Duckhead at the end <laughs> of the movie. Yeah, it's like they're perfect together. You're just like, yeah, yeah that's yeah. it. A match, a match set. Yes, yes. So um, Jake and Allison want them to be witnesses for when they get married at City Hall for their shotgun marriage that they have when planned. When did they all become besties again? Like, overnight. Okay. I mean, we don't Okay, who cares? You know, it's one of those things where the writers just want us to forget, and they're like, well, if enough time has gone by, Billy won't still be mad. And Billy's not mad. But Billy's also still carrying around uh, some weight still from, from his years with Allison. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, what's his name is mugging it up for the camera. So every time. Oh, oh you mean you mean a boy, Andrew Shoup? Yeah. 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 Like he is like totally mugging up that like sad clown face for the camera every time he looks at Allison. Is it sad clown? Because I just think he has gas. <laughs> I really, I really couldn't tell you whether it's one or the other. Could be that, but no, he's he's mugging it up though. He's definitely mugging it up. Um, in fact, the next time we see them, it's Billy dropping by Allison's apartment while Jake is at Shooters with a present from him and Sam, and it's a a mobile. Which all right, fine, whatever. Um, okay. But while he's there, he asks if she's having second thoughts, um, and Allison is both affronted and 
put off. Like she's like dismissive for two reasons. One is the obvious one, which is it's not really your business. But she focuses on, well, I have to. It's different. I have to get married this time. There's a baby, and it's like, well, all right. So we already see some foreshadowing that Allison doesn't feel comfortable about being someone's wife. Which, all right, you should think about that when you're entering into a serious relationship with someone. But okay. Um, and yet Billy still turns it around to make it about him. He does, doesn't it? What I forgot what happened though. Like, doesn't it doesn't he doesn't he go back to like when she um left him at the altar to Oh years? yeah, he did. Yeah, and you know what? He kept doing that through the whole thing though. Like it yeah, was like he'll do it, it again like, with Jake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like he keeps bringing it up. Yeah. Ain't all about you. So, so there's that. And that's dumb. And then for reasons we'll we'll get back to, Kyle offers to throw Jake a bachelor party at his restaurant, and it's the suckiest bachelor party I've ever seen. <laughs> well, it's just dinner. <laughs> it was the it was five guys at a table. It's Billy and Jake and Matt uh, and, and Kyle for a while, and Kyle's friend Nick. And Kyle's who friend never met wasn't Jake. quite the stranger, yeah. <laughs> and it's like Jake, who's like. You know, this real guy's guy who runs his own bar that seems to be quite prosperous and finally settling down, baby on the way. And like, and this is his bachelor party. This is his celebration. Yeah, it's very um, sad. So, okay, fine. And um, Billy is, again, shitty to Jake. There's, you know, Taylor tells Kyle that he needs to get back in the kitchen and Nick ends up in the kitchen and Matt excuses himself, I think, to use the bathroom or make a phone call one or the other. And um, and then it's just Billy and Jake and and Billy is like, you know, I'm not sure uh, Allison's ready yet to get married. And and Jake's like, well, shut up. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, basically, he's like, you know, we never really talked about this. And I, I know it's still awkward because you used to be engaged to the woman I'm engaged to. But uh, shut up. Is kind of where they land. Like yeah. they don't fight. It never like Jake is aware that Billy's trying to say something, and Billy actually doesn't know enough about what he's talking about to to have concrete information to tell Jake. Um, Billy's just kind of being a dick, and Jake is just kind of moving forward, doing what he thinks is the honorable thing. He's also moved forward with this house he found in the valley that he wants yeah. them all to move into. He's excited about playing dad and being present for this kid. And and Billy's shitting on it. See, and that's what I think it. But this is where I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with Jake, too, that was, like, getting on my nerves, is that Jake was doing what he thinks is the right thing. And this was the other thing that was making me crazy, is he never really... It, it was like he was going through the motions and he was doing it as a way to almost prove that he can rather than he really wants this thing to happen. I think it's, I think it's actually both of those things. I think he's doing all the things he thinks he's supposed to be doing, but I also think he is ready and excited and has... It feels like this is the right time and everything. He wants to be a father and he wants to be a provider. I actually think it's both of those things, but but, but Allison is not at that point. And supposedly they're not communicating about this, but we don't see them enough to know that they're not communicating, that Allison right. is just festering this. I think but that's I, what's missing. 
Uh, but I know I also feel like the show did a real shit job then with sort of oh the show because, did a shit job yeah with with yes. putting that forth yes. with Jake because I was looking at it I was watching this going well no wonder Allison's not that enthusiastic because Jake doesn't seem that enthusiastic like he's like he's like I got the house and it's like I got the catcher's mitt and I got like he <laughs> has, you, do you know what I mean like he's almost like the serial killer's version of having a family like that's what I was thinking about well I like, think. Like you have all the we'll, we'll, we'll get to this. Jake is like so gung ho about being a father. He's sort of forgotten that he's not in this alone. That he's got to be there for Allison as part of this every step of the way. And he's making decisions that he's just springing on her. He's not consulting. He's not. But we're not seeing. Yeah, like I didn't feel like it was because he was gung ho as a father. Like I said, it's like the serial killer version of being dad. Yeah, like yeah. it just seems kind of like, well, this is what I am supposed to do. This is what a a, a person who wants to be excited about a being being a dad does. So I'm going to do it. Ergo, I am excited see, rather than I actually think, being excited. I see that, and maybe. I may be remembering more from like what comes in episodes ahead when I say that, but I felt more of like there are things going on in Jake's mind that the show is not showing us before right. he moves forward with them. And I felt that more in the back half of this double episode. Right. So the stuff that we're about to get into is more where I'm like, well, why did he jump to this conclusion? Or when did he suddenly become this guy? Because it seems like a change. Right. No, I agree with that. And I think we're about to get to that. Okay. Because the next time we see them is in the courthouse, right? Right. Yeah, where they go to elope or get married by the justice of the peace or whatever it is. And Billy and, uh, and Billy and Sam are there. Okay, we are after some sort of weird technical mishap that I will take the blame for. Um, I think we were basically talking about the way Jake is acting feeling odd and getting odder. And so I think right, at this point we should pick up at the courthouse unless there was yeah, anything we've else. Now, we've, we've now moved on to the courthouse, yes. So it's a rainy day at the courthouse and Allison's looking tense because she's Allison in season five. And um, she and Sam go hide in the bathroom. She goes into the bathroom with Sam. And I don't know, this scene is weird because she's already sort of having cold feet and Sam is trying to give her a pep talk. And aside from her being sour, we don't really know what is Allison's problem. Well, I mean, Allison's problem is she doesn't want to get married. But it's not, the problem right now is not the baby. The problem is that, like, the idea of marriage scares her. She is, she's uncomfortable with it. Right. I, I mean, I guess. They didn't give us much to work with. She's just that's very what I mean. sour that's what at this I mean. point. She's, sour. Yeah. She's yeah. sort of like ambiguously sour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then supposedly some time has gone by and we haven't seen Allison and Sam say anything else. But finally, you know, Billy is talking to Jake and Billy remembers how Allison went out the window at their wedding. So Jake finally goes into the ladies' room and he sees them sitting there and he goes, all right, let's just go home. And Allison doesn't really say anything. She's just like, okay. Like, it's, I just feel like there's a missed moment for some real drama here because we don't oh, really know. Yeah. We don't really know what's in Allison's mind and nothing has really escalated. She's, she's just being remote 
and Jake doesn't know what he's not getting from her. At this point, he just knows enough that the wedding isn't going to happen. Let's go home. Yeah, basically. And it was it was almost like it was like the kid that's misbehaving at the at the amusement park and the dad is like, well, let's just go home. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah, it was. But we're just missing not even missing her misbehaving. We're missing Jake see her doing or saying something where he's like, all right, that's enough. Let's go home. Well, I- not even that. Like, I just feel like there would have been a conversation instead of let's just go out. Like, there would have been a hey, Does she even say on, anything you know? in response? She just sort of walks out, right? Yeah, kind of, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's just there's something yeah. inert here that yeah. I'm like, you could mold the clay differently. And even if I don't love it, I could like it. Well, the whole storyline's inert at this point. Yeah. And, and then it just gets more jagged, right? Um, well, in between, a whole lot of will will they or won't they? Will they? Will she or won't she? Will they stay together or won't they? Like it just, I don't know. Like I'm just, I'm ready to plow through this because I'm, I was sick of it watching it and now revisiting it is getting on my nerves. <laughs> All right. Well, we have a while to go because after zero scenes for like episode after episode, now they have a bunch, almost yeah. like smack down <laughs> on top of each other. So I'll be quick. Meanwhile, Sam has finally moved in with Billy. All right, fine. Enough said. Um, yeah, this has gotten on her last nerve. <laughs> next time we see Jake and Allison, he's asking what her problem is. You know, her whole thing. She she's anti-family. She's anti-suburbia. She's anti-Jake doing things without telling her, but she's not really saying it. Like I'm articulating it. Um, and so then he questions whether she wants the baby, and she's like, "Well, I'm leaning towards no." And she yells at him because he's made it all about him. Um, and then she walks out. And it's, and who does she go to? And who does Jake see her going to? Billy. And I think she walks in on Billy when he and Sam are having a bath together as they christen, like, her moving in with him. Yeah, is, I, yeah. Just yeah, it's um, Sam's first night in Billy's apartment. Yeah. The first night of them moving in together. They're about to have a bath. And who's knocking at the door? Allison. The ex. Yeah. The ex, Yeah. Um, in the next morning, Allison comes, like, she hears them talking, or actually we see them talking. I don't know that Allison necessarily hears Billy and Sam talking. Um, she thanks them for letting her stay, and she goes, thanks for letting me stay here indefinitely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm like, I don't think that's what they signed up for, but so okay. apparently, Billy went to bed, and Allison stayed up and talked to Sam a bit longer, um, and I guess wore Sam down, and she was like, yeah, sure, whatever. Um, you can stay so here the, forever. So Sam and Billy try and like double team. They try and divide and conquer if they each talk to Jake and Allison so that they can patch things up. Um, Billy tells Jake that Allison loves him, and then Jake says, Well, I think she wants to have an abortion. Um, Allison and Sam are talking separately, and then Billy comes home, and Allison pieces together that they were trying to divide and conquer, and she gets mad at them. She just gets nastier <laughs> each time people try and just do anything to help her. Um, and the next time we see Allison, she's in their apartment with Jake, packing a bag to go and visit her sister in San Francisco. So I guess she and Meredith have patched things up somewhere along the way. Yay for that. Um, and then they get into a bigger fight about Allison, what she wants to do about the baby, which is still different than Allison's problem with commitment, but fine. 
Well, um, I mean, ba- basically, like, Jake accuses her of going to San Francisco to have the abortion. Not because she needs a timeout, not because she wants to go yeah. see her sister. Not, not she wants to be with family at this time. Yeah, or... like, he's just like, you're going to San Francisco to have an abortion because that's the only place in California one can get abortions. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think yeah. so. But, okay. So, so the fight continues out into the courtyard, and Amanda's walking in while <laughs> Allison's walking out, and Jake is shouting at her. Um, and he basically is just like, yeah, Amanda, Allison's going to San Francisco to have an abortion. <laughs> it's so stupid. It, it, it is ridiculous. But then we get to the nice scene we were talking about before, which is Allison is at her the gate waiting to board the flight to visit Meredith, and Amanda finds her. Apparently she has, like, come to LAX and stalked every single terminal until she can finally find Allison. Um, and they have what I consider to be a really nice out-of-the-blue scene where, yes. she, you know, Amanda's like, you know, I was pregnant once and wasn't sure what I wanted. And now it's like, yeah, I remember that because it ruined my life with Billy. For right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and she's like, but before I had my miscarriage, I had actually made an appointment to go to the doctor two weeks later. Um, and she's like, why don't you, I don't want you to make any rash decision. You know, I wasn't sure what I wanted either. Um, why don't you come and stay with me? And she's like, thanks, but. I really need, I just want to go and be with Meredith. And Amanda's like, well, if you come back, you can stay with me. Hey, I'll even offer you a job at D&D. <laughs> You'll have health benefits. Yeah, that's what she said. You'll even have health benefits. I mean, look, I think the whole thing with Amanda at the airport just proves once again why Amanda is the best person on this show. Well, this is, yeah, I mean, this is the adult I wish more people acted like right. on the show. And we don't always see Amanda acting like this, but we see her acting like this more than anyone else. And again, I like Heather Locke there in this scene. Like I've liked her in a lot of her scenes as a mature adult this season, but I also like, I like the vibe between her and Courtney Thorne Smith in this scene. Mm, Yeah, I do too. I agree with that. Um, And so then Jake is just downing beers again in the courtyard. Allison comes back. I guess it is the next night. Right. Whatever day Allison. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a quite it was a quick trip. It's basically like she went to say hi to Meredith, slept over and then flew back. Essentially. Um, I just don't think too much time has gone by, but. Jake starts harassing her in the courtyard, asks if she's already had the abortion. I don't know if he says it in this scene or the previous one when she walks out, but he says, you know what, I'll just go into the delivery room and I'll take it, I'll raise it on my own. I mean, like, he's just being so ridiculous. He's being very un-Jake-like. Because Jake has a temper, but Jake usually errs on the side of right, and he errs on the side of supporting women. So... All of this feels like a cheat in that regard. I agree. Um, but just because Allison is back at Melrose Place doesn't mean she's going back to Jake's or even to Billy and Sam's. Now she is going up and staying with him. <laughs> so uh, bless their I think that's all the Jake and Allison stuff. And I know you have Jallison fatigue. So we should move on. Yeah. Um. We could talk about Sid, because that's mostly standalone. Oh, Sid. 
Yeah. Um, what to say? What to say? Okay, so she and um, what's her face, Sam. Sam. I, I guess we're are still having the roommate issues, which um, prompts. They have like this little music war that's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's got these new rules. She's got kitchen hours. For, yeah. For Sam, she's giving. She's made new hours at the boutique and making. Where basically Sam's, Sam's working the seven yeah. days a week. Like she's like a bit of a slave driver. And then they come home and and Sid like you know they have music wars. Sid doesn't like Sam playing her classical music. So yeah, she Sam is drawing while classical plays in the background, and Sid's got some nineties rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and like, and so they have music wars, and then Amanda comes down and breaks it up. You know, it's too loud, and you know, basically, um, Sam squeezes her fists together and runs out of the apartment and smacks, runs smack into Billy, and she's like, "I can't take it anymore." And Billy's like, "Well, why don't you just move in with me?" So problem solved, right? Yeah, I believe you imitated him perfectly there. Yeah, that's so. That's so now we've got Sid, who's sort of like still dealing with the heartbreak of Carter, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is now like the last time we saw her and Carter was basically we didn't even see her and Carter. It was his weird dude, Walter. Walter. Yeah, Walter, his assistant, basically told Sid that she lit the fire he needed in Carter, and he never wants to see her again. And he convinces Carter that he was just paying Sid and she was taking the money to sleep with him. Right. And so she places a call to Carter's, I guess, private line. Walter doesn't let Carter answer, you know, picks it up, won't let her talk to Carter. Um, she, Car- he says something like, do you want to talk to Sid? And Carter's like, no. And then Sid won't yeah. believe it. And Carter like hangs up on her. Anyway, long story short, she actually shows up to some place where he's giving some sort of talk about a video yeah. game. Where it seems like he's built a world that is oddly similar to the one that he lives. Oddly, yes. It's, uh, a, it's some sort of take on the Eurydice Orpheus myth. Um, and yeah. it seems to already have a bunch of fans who are there to, um, to ask him questions as fans. And um, so then Sid happens to be there and she stands up and asks Carter a question about this enigmatic gatekeeper character. Yeah. And basically encoded questioning makes Carter catch on to the fact that this gatekeeper character is like Walter and that maybe Walter, the gatekeeper, has ulterior motives. And it's funny because Carter gets it. He Immediately. knows what she's now saying. And everyone else is like, what's going on? And this one guy's like, can we move on? None of us know what this woman's talking about. <laughs> and Carter's like, I understand perfectly now. Yeah. And then next scene, he shows up at Melrose Place where uh, this was my favorite part of the episode, Sid was smudging. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have that in quotes. <laughs> With her sage, her sage bundle, she's smudging Sam's negative vibes out of her apartment, and um, and and so yeah. So basically, Carter Carter confronts Walter. Walter confessed. Of course, once again, we never see this, um, and. And Carter's like, I've missed you. And, you know, and, and, and Carter's like, well, you know, but you're going to leave me again or whatever. And Carter's like, no, I'm not. He procures a suitcase. He pulls out the suitcase. And basically, Sid now has a roommate again. Yeah, Sid is sharing the apartment once more. And, and Carter may have given up his old rich life. But we don't really know because he's like, I've run away from work. You can't do that. 
No, you know that, and I know that. You cannot do that. But, you know, um, so anyway, and it's sort of like, well, why would you give up the bill? Like, anyway, so he's got this, like, tricked out mansion somewhere in L.A., but he's going to move into Melrose Place. Okay. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, kind of like when Peter Burns gave up his beautiful house to move into Amanda's. Exactly. Amanda's little shitty one bedroom. Okay. But, hey, whatever. It's Melrose Place. So I guess she and Carter are back together. Yay. These were fun scenes. We did not have enough of them. Correct and correct. Next. <laughs> okay. Let's, okay, yeah. Michael, Kimberly, Megan. And, and we can plow through this. This is the storyline I was talking about that I am just so over. Yeah, this one too. I mean, I mean, at this point, Kimberly, like, just die already. Yeah. I mean, this is like the longest death in television history. Yeah. I don't think they're going to kill her off. You may be right. You may be wrong. Like, I'm just waiting for, like, the cure to come or there to be a reversal or there to be a mistake. You know, we misread the x-rays. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm just like, she's never going to die, this one. Right. But for where we are right now, it's... Like, introducing Megan and having her push Michael away and eventually marry for a fourth time and to someone else, it's... It, it hasn't brought us anywhere new. No. We just have this Michael, Kimberly, will they, won't they thing again in a new triangle with a different woman. Like, it, who's less interesting, you know, where the triangle overall is less interesting. Like, this, this doesn't do anything. And it's making our MVPs, like, sit in essentially, like, a storyline dugout. Like, this is minor league storyline, and there are MVPs. And it's just so drawn out for little reward. Yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like, so, you know, Michael is basically essentially moving back into the beach house because Kimberly is suddenly afraid to be alone. Yeah. And, and now all of a sudden, you know, and Megan is feeling obviously hurt and confused and a little like well you know shouldn't you be home with me but then she kind yeah, of lets it suspicious. go yeah. you know what I mean she lets it go and then and then eventually sort of like Kimberly starts asking for more out of Michael well you know yeah. don't have sex with your wife you know like all of these things and, and I'm like but you were like you brought Megan into this relationship to have sex with Michael and now right. all of a sudden there's this thing where you're like don't have sex with this person um, until I'm dead yeah. Which, you know, might be tomorrow, it might be six months from now, it might be ten years from now. She might not never ever die. We don't know. Right. And this all started, of course, because Kimberly couldn't be intimate. But now she right. is. Like And yeah. now all of a sudden she is. Yeah. 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 Um, so that's pretty much it. There are a couple funny moments along the way. Yeah. Um, like where Megan says, Is this some kind of sick pattern? You can you can't have sex with the woman you're married to? Yeah. Like <laughs> Fair. Fair enough. And, and you've got his number. Not a lie, yes. Um, and there's <laughs> also a scene question. where Michael is, like, trying to help Kimberly by, like, bringing her to a church. And, of course, it's a church that's having a funeral service. Yes. <laughs> there's a procession coming out the door oh with pallbearers and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah. The thing about those episodes is, like, 
like it it's not the same humor the show used to have like those beats on paper might have worked but they weren't really funny the way they're played out in this sappy storyline yeah yeah i mean i kind of laughed at that funeral scene and it was more like laughing at it than with it do you know what I mean? Like, it just was sort of, like, like you kind of laughed at the absurdity of it rather than, like, just laughing because Sid is so camp. Like, that wasn't camp. That was just kind of, like, I don't know what they did. It was just stupid. Right. And that's that's the best we got. Kimberly ends up in the hospital again. Right. Uh, um, and... And I guess that's, yeah, she's... She's calling Megan, and that's when Megan has pled with Michael to stay home and sleep with her and not go back to Kimberly's. So, of course, it's that night when Michael's not there. Kimberly, we have a cross-cutting, just like you would at the end of The Godfather, between (laughs) Kimberly fading, struggling with pills, and and fading and calling 911 while Michael is staying and having sex with Megan. Um, And that's when it's in the hospital. Michael visits her, and Kimberly says... Uh, please don't sleep with Megan again till after I'm gone. Then, like, <laughs> that's when you want to be like, well, do I have an expiration date? Um, <laughs> and and then later, at the end, Michael is at Kimberly's house. And that's when she says, no, I want you and I want you physically. And he gives in. Yeah. I mean, so what, like, what happened to her not wanting to have sex like i don't know the whole thing makes no sense the guy right makes no sense but also like we could have just had this in episode three of the season and been just as well off yeah yeah like the whole thing makes no sense and so you know poor megan is just kind of left out there kind of floating right like she just is like kind of what the fuck you know um and I'm I'm sort of like the whole through the whole episode I was like yelling at Megan go back to work, yeah, like yeah. go we're back happier to like, when you were a prostitute than yeah. now that you're the other woman, yeah, yeah, like she didn't care and I mean she should just say that to Michael. Well, okay, then I'm just gonna go back to work because fuck yeah. you. Yeah, it's not like she came to Kimberly. Kimberly found her. Right, and it's not like she wanted to quit her job. It wasn't like no. you know she was like abused. She was clearly very high end and she made a lot of money. You know, and it wasn't like she was, you know, it wasn't like she was trying to pretty woman her way out of a bad life. Right. You know, I was like, oh, my God, you should just go back to work. Yeah. Things were working out better for you. Yeah, they were. They really were. You know, and if Michael had a hard time with it, well, that's his problem. Jerk. Yep. I. Yeah, I hate this storyline. Now, it's not an all-time low. I mean, I consider, like, the Jane Richards stuff an all-time low. Um, between the rape and then the fallout with the, the, him being buried alive and her losing her mind. Um, like, that's pretty terrible. But uh, this is just so dull to watch. Yeah. And also, like, she's not really getting any sicker. No, I mean, she's got, like, random life-threatening symptoms and otherwise is, you know, like, just as healthy-seeming as anyone. Yeah, I mean, she looks great. Yeah. Like, they're not even, like, doing anything with her hair. Like, she's always perfectly, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just sort of, I don't know. Like, I feel like at least even in, like, daytime soaps, they would have, like, wrapped 
a bandage yeah, around makeup her head. on or something. Yeah. yeah, like they would have like wrapped a bandage around her head or something. Like they would have gone in and tried to yeah. operate, and she would have lost her hair. And that way, you know what I mean? Like this, this is just kind of like I just don't believe it. And I'm kind of like wondering, is like Kimberly having another episode and making this all up? But no, she's not. I don't believe she is. No, not at all. So Kimberly suffers, and so do we. Okay. Now we have Peter and Amanda and Taylor and some Kyle. And also the Nick guy. Like, where does fit into all of this? This is still something that I'm trying to, like, figure, that I was trying to figure out through this whole episode. Um, Nick, who is uh, Kyle's best friend from the Marines, from Desert Storm, showed up, what, one last, last episode? The episode prior. Yeah. So two episodes ago. And he has been... No, no, no. The last episode. The last, the last one we talked about. So this yeah. is the second episode. And he's basically mm-hmm. been a thorn in Taylor's side since he showed up. Although we still have no idea why. Right. Like, are we just... He's to- kind of like a catalyst to move this Kyle Taylor nonsense along. Um, but we have no actual context. He seems to have Taylor's number, so she hates him. But he also seems to be you know, kind of malevolent toward her. So I don't know that she's really all wrong. Um, and I don't know why he particularly hates Taylor to begin with, uh, other than, like, he seemed to want Kyle to not ma- marry her in the first place. Yeah, it's it's all very strange, and it's never clarified, and I don't know if we're ever going to get clarification on this. I don't think so. I, th- I, just, I just remember he is brought in to act as a foil for Kimberly. Excuse me, for Taylor. For Taylor. Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe I'm dying. Yeah, I meant for Taylor. <laughs> um. So he's still kind of there, and, um, and they have, like, that moment in the kitchen, you know, uh, between her and Nick, where it's clear that they don't like each other again. And yep. then Kyle basically tells Taylor he's taking the day off so that they can go bar hopping without her. Yeah. Okay. I don't know that they hop to many bars, though. It seems like they just go to shooters. They go to shooters. And it was really funny because I had to, like, I have, like, a question mark in my notes. Um, my Like, I just, like, opened up notes on my phone. And I was like, are they at shooters? Because it was like, Allison wasn't there. Jake wasn't that was, there. We had the same question. I was like, there's no Jake. There's no Allison. There's not even a Matt. <laughs> and I was like. There's so no, not they- a Shelly to be seen. Yeah, no one. Did they just, I was like, did they cheap out and they're just using the same set because it was kind of a different angle with the pool tables and they expect us to just like go with it and not notice or are they supposed to be at shooters? But apparently they were really at shooters. They were at shooters, but I guess they couldn't coordinate to get anyone else there to film at the same time. I don't know. So, so anyway, I don't know. They're playing pool and they're being like bro-y and then all of a sudden like Kyle, like somebody walks by the pool table and Kyle hits him with the pool cue while he's trying to take a shot and a fight breaks out. And, yeah, so and basically- Nick essentially, yeah, Nick, Nick is like, hey, Kyle, don't be nice to this guy. Maybe he's trying to shake you down. And Nick ends up throwing the first punch and what turns out to be not just a big bar fight, but an actually violent fight. Yeah, and they're, like, knocking away. Like, they're, like, I don't know. Someone's head goes into the jukebox. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of damage done, you know. And, you know, hilariously, Jake is sort of, like, shrugging it off. Yeah, so that's why Kyle ends up treating Jake to a bachelor party. Because he's like, I owe you a lot of money. And Jake's like, yeah, well, you know, you broke this, you broke that. You broke the jukebox. He's like, all right. (laughs) 
fine. Like, you know, didn't didn't really seem to put a uh, real crimp in Jake's style. So yeah. But anyway, the the night out with the guys turns into a night in jail. So now, once again, didn't we talk about this last time about how many people have now ended up in jail? So now we can add Kyle to the list. Yeah, I just have a feeling that Kyle has been in jail before. Don't know why. Just a vibe. Right. So so but Taylor yeah. Taylor bails out Kyle, does not bail out Nick, but Kyle ends up bailing out Nick. But Taylor won't give him the checkbook to bail out Nick, and she says, use your own money. So I would think that they would have a joint checking account, but apparently they do not. Is this something that we should be paying attention to, or was this just something the writers threw in because it was convenient? I think it's just something random they threw in. I can't believe, not only as a husband and wife, but also as people who work at the same, that co-own the same restaurant, you would think that all of the money would be pooled in one account. One would think. But anyway, that Point is, Taylor hates Nick. Yeah. Um, yeah. So before we catch up to anything else going on there, we should dial back back to some of the Peter Amanda stuff. Yeah. There's actually a funny scene in the beginning where Amanda calls Peter while he's scrubbing in because they need to go over their tax deductions. There's a lot of accountancy talk going on. Yes, there is. (laughs) And um, but but Matt is also there because he's a third year resident. Uh, I get clarification on his title. Um, and. Peter asks Matt to bring the phone to him. So Matt is literally holding the phone with Amanda on the other yeah. end to Peter's ear. And by the way, this is basically all we see of Matt. And aside from that and Matt going to the bathroom at Jake's uh, bachelor party, that's all we get of Matt. Yeah. Two-hour episode, 200th episode, all we get of Matt. <laughs> so, so Amanda is like, we need to go over all this stuff and and he, he's like, okay, we'll meet up and do it. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I forget her name. Eileen, whatever, the the chief resident, I guess. Shulman, oh, Dr. The, comes the doctor in who's sort of like, yeah, who was in charge yeah. of the hiring of the chief. Yeah, of the staff. one that, yeah, yeah. that went after Matt before when he had his addiction. Yeah, so they have a new chief of staff named Jonathan Goldberg. Uh, she's introducing him. He's making the rounds. Who is so, that actor, by the way? I is didn't he, recognize him. Only from having so seen him. so familiar. Do. He looked very of the time for me, but I can't place him in anything. Okay. I was just wondering if you knew who he was. No, and now I feel ashamed because I'm so good at these. Tests. I know. Um, but they, so Peter and Amanda go over their receipts and they're a matter of fact, like they're talking about, like they're moving forward. With their lives, um, and then I think the next time we see Amanda is when she goes to Craig's house, which may or may not be Haley's old house. Um, he's drinking, still tormented by his father's death two episodes ago. Um, it, but I think he summoned her there, basically, not just to come on to her, but to buy a relationship with her or to barter right. a relationship with her. Right. Right. Um, and Which is just so weird. Yeah. Yeah. The, the whole thing is weird because I didn't think that he had, like, when this whole thing started, it didn't seem like he had romantic designs on her. And now all of a sudden it's like, well, I've always wanted you. Since when? Yeah. It doesn't, it never seemed like he actually had an interest in her. And also never seems like she would give him the time of day. Like, right. I'm still amazed that she even has an iota in her to like him, let alone actually be attracted to him. 
Right. Like at a certain point, like why hasn't she just left, taken her clients and started her own goddamn agency? Yeah. Like I still can't wrap my head around that. Yeah, I, I agree. Right. That's um, what she should be doing. And then I guess we can go back to, I think it's a Jake's bachelor party when... Is it? Oh yeah, Dr. Goldberg night? is having dinner that night. I think. Is it? Uh, Peter comes to Kyle's that same night and sees that the Dr. Shulman is there with the, Dr. Goldberg, the new chief of staff. Yeah, and, and he says like, something. Yeah. He says something to Taylor about it, and he. Oh, actually, this takes place before um, the 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 oh, bachelor party. It's, it's another. Okay. Yeah, but it is another scene at Kyle's, um, and he says something about the um the who that guy is um and when they leave they leave their credit card behind so taylor runs out into the parking lot and finds them very openly making out in front of the car um in in the parking lot and also like basically like saying everything like you would say at the end of a columbo or a kojak episode right like you know talking about that, that they're yeah. cheating and that's how he got the job and blah 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 so taylor hears all of this um and she goes to peter she figures out where he lives at the marina and goes to him and spills the beans um and then we see peter go to dr shulman and he blackmails her into giving him the chief of staff job instead right so there's that and there was that uh, wonderful scene between him and Michael in the office where, you know, Michael yeah. comes in and and this was like a really, this was super fun where Michael is kind of like, you know, flops down. He's kind of exhausted from all the shenanigans with Kimberly and Megan. And he's like, you know, do did you hear the gossip about the chief of the new chief of staff? And my, and, and Peter's like, yeah. And did, and did you also hear about the new chief of staff? And it's me. And Michael is all bent and it was really kind of funny, but it was really great. Yeah, it is nice. And they even acknowledge the, what's going on with Kimberly, but not in a way that seems like you would talk about someone who is actively dying, perhaps. Right. The, and especially yeah. since, you know, Peter is supposed to be so close with her, right? right, right. <laughs> Whose life means as much to him as the sister he couldn't say. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so then there's more with Amanda. She goes back to Craig has been looking to buy a yacht. And she goes to meet him on the yacht. This is happening the same rainy day that Jake and Allison are not getting married at the church. Uh, or excuse me, at the courthouse. And um, so she does this whole seduction scene. She, does, she asks him to sign this contract, um, which will basically ink the offer he threw out about what she's going to get out of it in this, in this forced relationship. Um, and then she continues to seduce him and she's like, I just want you to sign this first. And he's like, you know, I know exactly what you're doing, but it just feels too good to pass up. So he signs it and then she doesn't go any further and she puts her clothes on. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, like basically hey, gotcha. like, sucker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and the next thing we find out is that shockingly Craig's father has left him nothing in his will. Right. Because Craig hates him. Or excuse me, because Arthur hated Craig. Um, but they also say that he's left everything to his nieces and nephews, which would imply that he's not an only child. And I don't think we heard anything about there being a sibling, which would also have 
I think, thrown some other elements into the mix going back to when Arthur was alive, but moving on. Um, meanwhile, now, how much does Amanda own half of D&D? I mean, I think at this point she does because he signed up. Yeah, I think that she's she's like, I was figuring out a way to cover myself and you made it very easy. And he's like, yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, he's a fool. His dad knew uh, that. Yeah. So then Amanda comes to see Peter again. Um, she tells him he has to sign these tax forms. The accountant apparently did the work in seven minutes. Um, and because Taylor gave Peter the ammo he needed to get chief of staff, she has invited him over to her place, or I guess she would come to his place to make dinner. Right. Um, but that is the night that none of this really makes sense. That is the night that Amanda comes to Peter with the thing and he gets a call because there's also a congratulations dinner, like dinner dancing, some sort of event that the hospital's putting on for like the newly promoted people to celebrate the new chief of staff. I, I don't really understand, but he's like, I wasn't going to go. And Amanda's like, well, shouldn't your spouse come with you? And he's like, yes. So I'm thinking, oh, was that a lie he was telling about there being this event for them to go to because that's actually when he's going to Taylor's? And it turns out, no, he had already double booked himself before yeah. Amanda even walked into the scene. None yeah. of this seems very clear to me. But right. Like the had, idea was he was going to duck out of the part of like his own dinner. Don't ask me right. how early to go have this dinner that Taylor was making for him at his house. Right. Um, but now Amanda's in the picture and says, well, shouldn't you be taking your wife to that? And Peter is not going to say no. So he brings Amanda to this dinner and from the dinner calls, calls his apartment or his townhouse or whatever, where Taylor answers the phone, which was, I thought was weird and is basically yeah. like, I'm not going to be able to make it. I have to stay. This is a little bit more complicated than I thought it was going to be. Not saying Amanda's with him. Um, why would, like, why wouldn't he? But of course he doesn't. Um, but he basically lies. Yeah. He, he goes right into the lie. And I mean, yeah, that's what I was going to say is if Taylor is at his place, why would you answer his phone? But again, yeah. <laughs> free cell phone. So you got to do what you got to do. And then he, and then he, um, so, but then he stupidly yeah. then he takes Amanda home. Defeated, yeah. Yeah. He walks her back to Melrose. Yeah. And Taylor, of course, is watching from her window. Yeah. She's got great timing, that one. She always seems to know when Peter's in the vicinity. Well, I'm, I'm guessing she spends all day in front of the window watching everything. Probably. Um, but yeah, so he, Peter stupidly walks Amanda back to Melrose Amanda does not invite him in and he never even makes it up to her door or the stairs up to her door. Um, but they say, let's make a date. We'll meet at nine 30 at the, for breakfast the next morning. So they go, okay. Had and Taylor sees this. Um, and I guess does not see Peter go into the apartment with her. Cause, cause she, she only lodges that information in her brain. Meanwhile, had Peter walked Amanda to her door, he would have seen that a drunk Craig is actually sitting on the steps. Right. He slumped outside her apartment. Um, 
And she at first, you know, like just sort of lectures him. Then she finally lets him in. Not that she is taking him to bed, but he needs a place to just like crash for the night. Right, because so, apparently his the will, his dad's will. He his dad wrote him out of the will, including the mansion. So he's homeless and broke. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's lost everything. He, he lost, lost everything, everything, including you know. Yeah. And now he doesn't have D and D. Yeah. Yeah. He's got nothing. So what does he do? He goes and again tries to hit on the woman who who built him out of half of D and D. So okay, fine. So he sleeps over, crashes. The next morning, Amanda is in the shower. And at first, Craig is, like, going to join her. I mean, she's not invited him, but he opens the door to, like, check her out in the shower. And then he hears a knocking at the door. Okay. So he goes from gross. (laughs) If you were Amanda with that little slime ball in your apartment, wouldn't you lock the fucking bathroom door? Of course you would. Yeah. Oh, my God. I would have locked the bedroom door, would have locked the bathroom door when I was in there. Yeah, of course. Ugh. So, yeah. So, he's, like, creeping on her in the bathroom. And then there's a knock on the door, and he goes and answers it. Yeah. And now, at first, I thought, oh, was this all part of a ploy? Is he actually looking for, like, some files or or the contract that he signed or something to tear it up? But, no. What he's there to do is cause more damage because Peter is the one who has knocked at the door. And even though they had plans to meet at 9.30 that morning, he decided he would surprise her and pick her up earlier. All of this happens while Amanda's in the shower. And Craig tells Peter, and Craig is, by the way, just in his boxers, um, that he is the one who spent the night with Amanda. So, So Peter sort of, like, just storms off. Right. Now, this is why in my timeline I was like, so I guess Allison comes back the next night. Because the when Allison returns to Melrose Place and she goes up to Amanda's apartment, they're talking and Jake is bellowing like down from below, telling right. Allison all the things he's going to do that she can't do to him, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Amanda's like, or Allison's like, I'm sorry if I'm, you know, keeping you from anything. And she goes, no, there's nothing else exciting going on here. She goes, oh, things still bad with Peter. And that's when Amanda remembers that that morning they were supposed to have had their breakfast date. That she has totally been blocked out of her mind for 24 hours. She goes, I forgot all about it. She goes, weird that Peter didn't call me, though. So, So Peter is at home drinking away his sorrows because even though he's chief of staff he doesn't have what he wants which is the love of amanda towards the end of this episode kyle and taylor have another fight and this time he's even thrown peter's name into the mix um and so taylor leaves like she finally just she just walks out now she knows where peter lives she goes over to peter's apartment um she yells at him because he has not appreciated her she's the reason that that he got this job as chief of staff and he's using her because he's still going back to amanda she slaps him um and then he throws her down and they finally start to have sex and he and he says i'm she goes what are you doing he goes i'm giving you what you've wanted all along just as amanda calls him and leaves a voicemail as they're going to town Right. So finally, halfway into the season, 18 episodes in, Peter and Taylor finally sleep together. The thing oh. that they have been building toward all season long. The thing that they could have done four episodes back after Amanda has already thrown him out. 
<laughs> oh god yeah like i don't even remember why they split up in the first place at this point well it was when he went i think to san fran and made a scene at the the restaurant when she had the client dinner was that it i can't like i can't even remember now because it's like you know now now he's done everything that she wanted him to do with like you know getting a real job and now he's chief of staff and all and she's still kind of like eh. Yeah, she's throwing signals, yeah. Yeah, she's throwing signals, but she's like, yeah, no, you can't come up. Like, yeah, no, we're not ready for that yet. What? Girl. Right. Either you're ready or you're not. Yeah, exactly. And and not being ready for it just created all this havoc. So, you know. But, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that we finally, like, moved on. You know what I mean? I'm still kind of... I'm still kind of not thrilled with this, especially like that moment with Taylor. Like, didn't you think Peter was getting a little rapey there? It was very, I was, that's the word I was going to use. Yeah, it does feel rapey. It was like, it, it was like this weird sort of like, he like, you know, like basically like, I don't know, he like kind of rips her sweater off or whatever. And then he like throws her on the couch and she's like, no, Peter, no. And he's like, you've always wanted this. And yeah, then he like I mean, falls aside on Aside from the fact that we've known that Taylor has wanted to get Peter, it does not seem consensual. No, it doesn't. I mean, you know, the only reason why you're like, oh, okay, is because she's been chasing this for yeah, 18 episodes. Exactly but, yeah. you know, it's there was this sort of sense of, I don't think she really wants to do this for a minute. And then it was, and then she was like, oh, okay, you're right. I do want this. And it was that's, just kind of gross. basically what happens. Yeah, it is gross. Yeah, it and really it, gross. it's not what it is. But yeah, can you imagine 20 years later, um, there would be reaction to it on the internet. Yeah, it was, like, it was super gross. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, it's kind of crazy what they got away with back in the, like, pre-internet. Like, it, like, tw- like whatever, 20 years well, ago. Well, yeah, I mean, just for one reason. Whether whether it's right or wrong, whether it's bad or not bad, like, there are just, there were fewer police people at the time. Right. There were, you know, there weren't hordes of people watching all having something to say with a right. yes, but attitude. Yeah. And I guess, like, I guess in a way, it sort of is supposed to be kind of, like, alpha male-esque. Because I know, like, in the romance book world, like, it can, there's a very fine line between alpha male and ew. Um, You know, and... Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's something, like, sort of butlery about what they're doing here. Yeah. Right, right. So, I don't know. Anyway, I just, that was, like, the thing that I was like, oh, couldn't do that anymore. (laughs) No, you wouldn't, no. Couldn't get away with that anymore. No, you could not. And that's the episode. And that's it, and that was the cliffy, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Oh, yeah, but Amanda, Amanda's message was, hey, I was wondering if you want to have dinner, I'll be right over. Oh, yeah. She's like, yeah, I can come over. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's the cliffy. So basically, Amanda's on her way. Yeah. Well, the yeah, the cliffy is, will Amanda have dinner tonight? Yeah. <laughs> so holy shit, that was a long one. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was long. And it felt long to watch. Um, I actually, it, it felt long, but it did not feel as long as some of those one hour episodes. Oh, really? <laughs> from season four. I'll tell you that well, right now. I have now. to tell you, the Michael Kimberly scenes weigh every, every episode down. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I hope whatever they do, they, they figure it out pretty damn quick. Yeah, yeah. Let's see where it goes. 
Um, and you know, but I, I, I felt more so with the, with the whole Jake Allison thing. Like I am that, that is my Michael, Megan and Kimberly. Like I am super over them and, and I just, and I just want that to, to be done. Yeah. So let's see how that goes. I have things to say. I have probably have things to say about it every week. Um, but I, I, I think my favorite scene of this episode is the, the one where Amanda and Allison talk about their history at the airport. My favorite was um, Sydney smud- smudging her apartment. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was just my favorite. I was like, that's yeah. my favorite. My favorite right there. But yeah, and that, that was a close second. I did think that that was a really nice um, scene between, between the two of them. Yeah, and it was nice that we, we never had an overwhelming amount of Billy and Sam. What can we call them? Blam? Silly. Blam. Silly. <laughs> Silly. <laughs> I think that's a good idea. We'll just call them silly because that's, yeah. what, they that's are. what they are. I like that one. I do too. Well done. Well thank done. You, thank you. Anyway, thank you guys. Um, sorry about that tech mishap earlier. Um, but hope you stuck with us. And well, we'll uh, clean it up in post. So, well, yeah. But if we lost, you know, any thread, or if, if there's anything that that I was saying that I didn't quite pick back up, apologize. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back with a shorter episode on the blog and then a return to the boulevard next week. Um, yeah. If there's anything, especially now that it's the holidays and a lot of. You know, the studios are dropping their year-end stuff, and there's more more holiday um, movies than ever, I know, materializing. So if there are things you want to try and get us to see, let us know. Um, yeah, we're, we're at what? Back on the Block Pod on Facebook. You can on add us Facebook. up there. Yeah, and give us uh, give us five stars on Yeah, I mean, that's iTunes. the best way to share the holiday spirit is a five-star gift on iTunes. Yeah. Yes, yes. All right, kids, I am going to bed. Yes. I will eventually do that. And then and so um I'm going to go to I'm going to go sleep for the next week until next time. <laughs> All right. All right, Rip Van Greco. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye.